don't use me as an example. I'm not endorsing anything. If anything, you should see my past experience and not do the things that I've done. I'm I mean, not- oh my God, as if anybody would listen to this podcast and think, <laughs> that Ben Kelly, that Ben <laughs> Kelly character. Yeah. That's who that's I want to be when I his grow footsteps. Up. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? Hello. I'm not too bad. Head is fucking massive. In case the listeners are wondering, Matt just wants everyone to know that he attended the semi-final, which I'm very jealous of. Uh, how was it? Was it was it fucking fantastic? Or? It was awesome, yeah. And I'm I'm glad I went to that game and not the final because <laughs> yeah. you know it's, yeah. sort of, the final was stressful and depressing enough on TV. Yeah, it was awful to watch. It? It, it all, wasn't all fun. the kind of yeah, yeah. I didn't have fun <laughs> and watching it. There, the, and there wasn't any like uh, violence and hooliganism at the semi-final as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't have to yeah, experience crazy that. enough afterwards. I mean, there was a bit, but no, you know, no, none of the yeah, breaking into there. the stadium and stuff like Jesus. that. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah. the other thing is. Uh, <laughs> I'm in isolation now. My poor wife has COVID-19. Well, oh dear she me. tested positive twice on the old lateral flow test. We're waiting for our PCR tests. I'm okay, as things stand. It's weird because Charlie, my youngest, and uh, my good wife were uh, both ill on Monday, and they had negative tests, so I thought, oh, we both obviously just got nasty cold, and then next day she tests positive. But Charlie was better the next day and was still negative, so it's all very strange. Oh, God. So I'm just waiting for it to hit me. Come on. Yep. Give me a best shot. Actually, don't. Just <laughs> not your best shot. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. Just, <laughs> I'm happy if... I really just want to be asymptomatic because I don't want to get in a situation where we're both wiped out and we, the kids are running wild. Yes. Because that is hell. <laughs> so so you, are you all isolating for 10 days then? 10 days, yep. And, um, oh, God. That extends, didn't it, if uh, one of us you know, gets it. Um, I'm going to have to keep testing myself. Oh, fuck. Anyway, what are we talking about today? Um, we are talking about drugs. Drugs. Big subject. We're going to talk about uh, drug policy, legislation, and we're going to talk about our own personal feelings and potential, maybe, experience doubling in the older <laughs> drug use. <laughs> <laughs> and to set out the position is... Uh, our friend of the podcast, I think we can say, Ian Dunt, who we've had on before. He's going to set out his position, which is that he thinks drugs should be legalised and regulated, which is just about where my position is now. In monologue form. In monologue form. He's not actually here, yes. Um, yeah, which we're going to play now? Yeah, let's play it now. Take it away, Ian. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. So look, um, there isn't really any piece of legislation that's been more of a catastrophic failure than the Misuse of Drugs Act, right? It was passed in 1971. Back then, 10,000 people took heroin. Now, a quarter of a million people do. Cannabis use, 1971, half a million people took it. Now, 2.5 million take it. Around 1% of adults had tried drugs uh, in the 1960s before the act. Now you're looking at about a third of people in the UK. The illicit drugs market has gone up to an estimated 9.4 billion a year. Most of that money goes towards criminal gangs. On any given day, a third of the prison population of this country is there for drug-related crime. And it's about 40% of those convictions are on the basis of specific drug offences. 60% of them are for crimes related to, to drug addiction, like theft. And when they're in there, about 15% of the population keeps on doing drugs. You just cannot come up with a policy area that has failed more obviously and more catastrophically than trying to prohibit drug use. But that fact is now and has been since the act was passed the great unsayable truth of the way that drug policy operates. You just can't point out the obvious thing which it failed. And when people try to do that, they are either silenced or they're sacked. So, I mean, Professor David Knight, who was chairman of the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs, put together a sort of um, like a structure for evaluating harm of narcotics. What he found was that alcohol came fifth. It came after heroin, after cocaine, after barbiturates, after methadone, but ahead of LSD or ecstasy or cannabis. And what was the response? This is when labels empower Alan Johnson, now inexplicably treated as this nice guy, charming politician. What was his response? He was the Home Secretary and he sacked him. Okay, and that includes the same way for politicians themselves. Now, if you look at David Cameron, David Cameron was on the Home Affairs Committee when he was an MP. They said, well, look, we really need to rethink this because it demonstrably, empirically isn't working. He becomes prime minister and suddenly he changes his tune altogether. It doesn't matter which way you even look in the political spectrum. You can have Jeremy Corbyn, you can have uh, Boris Johnson, you can have Keir Starmer, you can have Ed Miliband, you can have anyone from any position that you like. And yet, on this issue, you couldn't fit a Rizzler paper between them. They just ignore the damage. And that will keep on happening until we have an honest conversation about drug use. And that conversation is going to involve a series of fundamental truths. Okay, the first one is you are not ever going to be able to stop people from doing drugs. Okay? It is an impossibility. It has been done throughout human history. We do not know of a time in our history that people were not experimenting with these substances. Now, in policy terms, you come up with something that cannot be stopped, you'd better find a way of managing it rather than trying to uh, prohibit it. Because if you try and prohibit it, it will just go underground. And that is exactly what has happened. The second one is that there is an argument, a strong argument, I think a watertight moral argument for personal freedom on this, which is that you are entitled to put into your body whatever you wish, even if it is damaging. And for those who want to kick back against this argument, I want to use one of the most basic possible reposts I can think of, which is just alcohol. It is just alcohol. We already have drugs that are legalized, and alcohol does tremendous damage in this society, and yet it is legal. Now, once you accept that that should be the case, I'm much more willing to have an argument with people who want to prohibit alcohol because at least they're consistent. Once you accept that that's the case, it morally follows that we would accept the various harms and the various advantages of other drugs as well. The third is on harm reduction, which is, look, if there's a situation that's going to take place anyway, the thing you need to do is make sure that people do not damage themselves too much. Damage themselves socially, damage themselves intellectually, damage themselves physically, damage themselves in their career. And then that follows through the fourth, 
which is that we destroy lives with the war on drugs. We destroy it by throwing thousands of people in prison, by giving them drugs that are tainted and impure because dealers left alone to their own devices and unregulated market put whatever they want in them. But also we do it even when we just give people cautions for drug possession, because even though they don't end up in prison, that admission of guilt freezes them out of many of the professions. And that does not happen equally across society. It happens on my fifth point, on the basis of class. Like, why is it that David Cameron, that Boris Johnson, that Michael Goh can have these drug careers that they had, and yet there they are, right, at the pinnacle of political power. And yet if you are poor, if you're from a deprived background, that is not the case. You are churned through the meat grinder, through the criminal justice meat grinder, on the basis of what was frankly a harmless activity. And what goes for class goes for race as well. Overwhelmingly, we see that young black kids and black Asian kids are stopped for drugs. In the case of black people, that's nine times more than whites on the basis to search for drugs. Whichever way you look at it, over and over, the case against the war on drugs is absolutely watertight. And the fact that we fail in mainstream political debate to actually have that conversation is a damning indictment of where we are as a political culture. Cool. So, uh, yeah, friend of the podcast, Ian. Um, yeah, that was good to hear, wasn't it? I mean, he's obviously got quite a, a strong position on it, hasn't he? Yeah. Which is which is to, well, legalise, it seems. Um, and, you know, makes a strong case for it, I'd say. Um, you haven't always been like that, though, have you? It's interesting that, you know, you're kind of aligning with that now because what I've known you, you've, you've, you've held a few different positions mm. on it, haven't you? And mm. um, Maybe let's talk a bit about that, shall we? Like, what, what used to be your position? Well... Yeah, so the, when I was younger, you know, 19, 20, whatever, um, I was pretty much, yeah, on the same, we should legalise it all. It's not an issue I'd thought about, you know, I hadn't really, I'd, you know, it's not like I researched it or really thought about what were the effects of legalisation or why I believed that. It was just one of those opinions I adopted, you know, back then watching, you know, certain comedians or people you admire. I remember Bill Hicks, for example, when... You know, lots of people back then were sort of into Bill Hicks yep. and he advocated legalising it. It just seemed a no-brainer for me, just basically like freedom, blah blah de blah um, I think eventually, I mean, I couldn't pinpoint when this is, to be honest, but eventually at some point I became... It's when you became a right-winger. It's when you became... It's when, then when was, wasn't it? I don't Awakening as a, as a, as a right-wing man. I, I didn't really start properly getting into <laughs> politics until after 2010, and I think possibly this had already happened. But basically, in 2012, I began to work for a social care charity, and the main aim of the charity was to reduce crime, reduce, re- reduce re-offending rates. And it would do that by trying to deal with the social issues of repeat offenders. Um, so that obviously includes addiction was one of the main things. Um, along with, basically, you would assess assess them after they'd been arrested for something or other. They'd be given a DR, um, which I can't remember what that stands for. <laughs> Google it. Um, and they would then you know, have to seek treatment for drug use. So they'd end up at this charity or or whatever. This was in Leeds. And um, so I would, I volunteered because I was hoping to get a a job in, in, in that sort of area. And it was really impactful on me because 
it just seemed that there was just beneath, you know, for all the people, including myself, who were, you know, happy for there to be liberal drug laws, these seemed to be essentially victims or refugees of liberal policies. And just, it, it shook me a little bit because the current policy is clearly not working. It's causing a lot of harm. Um, you know, these people are taking God knows what. There's no regulation there. And there's, there's people having their lives ruined. Um, and because this drugs are so readily available and the law is so softly enforced, it's just, it, I was just seeing so many lives just completely devastated. And it was, it, it really made you think. Now, I didn't then become, you know, right, let's, let's clamp down this and be like Singapore or something. It just made me realise that it is not a simple issue. If, I, if you're an advocate for legalisation, it's a credible position, but there will be negative consequences and unintended consequences. It's not going to, it's not going to be an easy thing to do. You know, it's going to cause yeah. a lot of harm. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, um, I guess the counterpoint, as, as always, is like we, we've definitely, we, we, we've tried one way and it's, it hasn't worked, has it? It's kind of compounded the issue yeah. of like these kind of welfare issues that you're talking about. Um, you, you are now an advocate for legalisation, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And I've become more sure of that over the last um, couple of years. I started to realise that that's where I've landed. This is The reason why is because the way I see it, there's, you've got several options of what to do from here about drugs and how to deal with it. You could enforce the law... The laws that we have, many of which are, in you know, on paper, are quite, quite harsh. You could do that. You would have to do it consistently across the country. I think it would take. If you're going to, if you were really trying to clamp down on drug, I'm not advocating this, by the way. I'm just saying it's an option. You would have to have a huge crackdown on dealers, which I, I can seriously tell you that there isn't right now, and I will go into that again in a minute. Uh, you would have to start seeking to arrest and charge the users as well, because. If there's no deterrence for use, then more and more dealers just pop up. You know, it doesn't make it won't make a difference. Is it is that doable? It is in theory, but you'd need government backing for that. You would need a lot of funding. You would need a large scale, sustained national operation to shut down the drug drug market. It wouldn't be easy. Yeah, but the, 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 that's I don't really understand that because I, I just don't think that would work. No, no. I think, that, and I think that's what's happening is, well, is it, that it, local on a local level. That's what they know, and that's why those things aren't enforced to that mm, degree. Yeah, there is a nationwide like law around around and many laws around drugs, um, but they're not enforced because people at a local level understand that that it's not worth their time and worth a worthwhile use of resource to to enforce them yeah so i don't think it is an option to, to to say oh well if we're going this way we have it, to enforce it's, it. it's not i don't really think that's i think that's that that's been weeded out yeah yeah well that's that's true already. so it's, it's an option in theory i don't advocate I, and uh, you know people who do advocate that you know they look to countries like japan and singapore well you know we're not japan or singapore for a start and and drug use yeah. is 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 rife and the stigma to it even in my lifetime uh is just has got less and less so what's the other option? Keep the status quo. From from my point of view, that's the worst of all worlds because it's a sort of fake decriminalisation and 
So you've still got an unregulated, very, very much thriving black market, you know. Things you read in the newspapers that sound made up, like by the tabloids, about drug dealers handing out cards and and things like and things like that, you know, on campuses is true. And they operate yeah, they yeah, operate yeah, on Instagram, true, yeah. they operate on WhatsApp, and and the the way they work is, and, and I'm going to tell you now that this isn't through investigative journalism. This is through my past drug use. Just to be clear. <laughs> in most big cities which is not investigative journalism well no That's clearly just... not <laughs> but in, in most cities you have a major network of drug dealers and then there'll be one op- number you ring one operator if you like who sends off the runner to sell to take whatever it is that's been ordered in Leeds for example uh, I lived in Leeds uh, over a decade ago the number that I had in 2007 to buy you know, whatever drugs that they sell is still the same now. I mean, I haven't, I'm not, I haven't used it for a long time, but I know through other people that it's still the same number. So clearly, there's no interest in in clamping down on that market in Leeds, and that will be the, the voice. The voice. That's what he was known as, yeah. <laughs> and that's the same, you know, all over Manchester or wherever else. So it doesn't seem plausible that we could suddenly change that around and make police forces enforce the law. The government's not really interested in doing it and police forces are All aren't. logical. That, I think that's the point. It's, it's all logical. Yeah. Mm. And Ian touched in, in, in the monologue upon the fact that all political parties just don't want to touch this. Um, and any comments that a lot of politicians make when they're not in office soon gets forgotten when they come into office. Just nobody wants to touch this. Yeah, it reminded me of the um, well, our last pod, uh, last podcast, well, not last one, last one, but one um, with um, Anya Martin oh, yeah. about the housing yeah. situation. Yeah. It reminded me of that. It's, it's like that there is a there is a logical um, path here <laughs> to take, um, but it's you know it's politically un, 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 uh, untenable. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so so no no politician is going to put their head above the parapets and go for something like this, even though. They have, you know, specialists. What he he said about uh, Professor Nott, Professor Nott, Doctor Nott, yep, yep, yep. Steve Nott, Paul Nott, <laughs> David Nott, <Is> David Nott, <laughs> Trevor Nott, Trevor. I, and I remember when he got sacked as yes, well. Yes, I remember that, you know, which was just ludicrous, wasn't it? Because he just yeah. he did his job, Professor David Nott. Yes, um, yeah. So I mean, Professor Nott. It's a great name. <laughs> so yeah, the position I end up is basically. As Ian set out, you legalise it and you regulate it, but that's not going to, you know, it's not going to be an easy thing to do. And again, it's no. it, it seems unimaginable that that would happen. But yeah. if you were going to do that, it, just like most, you know, any policy you might suggest, it, for it to work, it has to come with several other policies combined with it. So I would, you would, if you're going to legalise it and have a legal market, you then have to make a concerted effort to clamp down on what's left of the black market because it will still be there. It will shrink, but it will still be there. Um, because what some people don't realise is that uh, although the quality of product might vary, drugs on the black market are, are relatively cheap and quite easy to obtain. So then you come to the tax, the tax balance. Obviously, they're going to tax the products. If you tax them too highly, people will turn to the black market again because they will be able to obtain it cheaply. Never mind that it might not be as good quality. People will will turn. You can get that very wrong as well. And again, harm reduction has to be huge. There's going to have to be major funding for social care charities. Now, the one that I mentioned that I that I was volunteering for, the reason I never ended up working there is because they got heavy cuts and lots of people got laid off and there was no chance of me ever getting a career in it. And I don't believe that's ever changed. You know, that 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 can't work. 
if we're going to legalise it because it's going to create social problems and we're going to have to deal with it. So it's not a policy that would work singular. It would be a group of policies as as a as a whole to try and change the way we approach drugs. So that's where I am now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't even smoke weed anymore anymore. So, so like, well, you know, even if they do legalise weed, it's not even going to be particularly useful for me. If I, when I was a kid and when I used to smoke it years ago, I would have thought it'd be great. But, but now it's of no use to me. But um, So personally, I don't really give a shit. Okay, so other shit segment for now. Um, other shit, though, I'm not really sure what we're going to talk about. Um, th- but, but how about, so you kind of touched a bit on uh, your own personal use of drugs. Have you, I don't know, got any other, got any, got anything more to say around that? Yeah. <laughs> but I should say, as a, as a disclaimer, anything I say flippantly or any of my opinions expressed here, don't use me as an example. I'm not endorsing anything. If anything, you should see my past experience and not do the things that I've done. I'm I not- mean, oh my God, as if anybody would listen to this podcast and think, <laughs> that Ben Kelly, that Ben Kelly character. Yeah. That's who that's I want to be in his footsteps. See, the funny thing is, you know, at school, when, well, I don't know about when, when I was at school and they did like lessons about drugs and talked about how you get enticed into it and peer pressure and stuff like that. For me, it wasn't peer pressure. You know, I wanted to get into that from quite an early age. Um, first thing I ever tried, apart from alcohol, was I must have been sixteen. Do you know when you, on the last day, you finish your GCSEs, you get your results through GCSEs, got your shirts all signed up, went for a bike oh, yeah. ride with a couple of lads, and one lad did a a bottle. You know, smoking the weed through a bottle. A bong. Yeah, basically a bong made out of a ball. So we did, we did that, and then we tried attempted to ride our bikes, and we were just giggling. It was a bit of a laugh. And from there, you know, I got a sense of enjoying inebriation, basically. Enjoying the sense of a different feeling. Um, and back then as well, um, mushrooms were illegal. So when I, was, legal. Uh, when I was around 18, that's when I started taking them as well. They were legal, you mean? They were legal, yeah. You could. I, I used to buy them in a shop in York. Um, crazy to think about now. But, um, yeah, I was very willing, very willingly wanting to seek out and try these things. That's quite an impressionable kid as well. You know, see things in films and rather than being like, whoa, that's fucked up. I was like, I want some of that. <laughs> you know, fear in love in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of there, yeah. That was a big fun for me when I was young, and just watching the craziness and thinking, just seems like a bit of an adventure, you know. Yeah. And I've had an enormous amount of fun over the years taking drugs, but, you know, they can also completely fuck your life up. I mean, it, oh, yeah. But, yeah, so I remember there's a sustained period of taking taking mushrooms. It was often quite therapeutic until it became a bit of a nightmare because every single time I was having a bad trip because I was in a bad place mentally anyway. So I stopped doing that. And then I start, when I started going to nightclubs with a bunch of friends, we used to, the only thing we could get was speed. So we took that. 
And then one time I asked a, a guy, he was actually a security guard at a supermarket I worked at, <laughs> who hooked me up with somebody. I asked him if we could buy some speed. And he said, oh, can't get any speed. We can get some pills. And I didn't hesitate for a second. And introduced all my friends to them. They didn't hesitate for a second either. And then we just used to hammer them all the time. So, yeah, I jumped feet for, feet first into it. You know, I, I like the experience of, of taking drugs, but, you know, they are fucking... <laughs> they are crazy. It's crazy stuff. You go down that route. I know a lot of people have... What would you say is the best one you've had? Best drug? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think um, I think my favourite is always LSD. LSD is my favourite. Wild mm. ride. Buy the, tic- buy the ticket, take the ride. Craziness. I've had a lot of nightmarish experiences while doing it. But I've had also... It's really... It takes... You know... It's not, I don't like to think of it as when I was younger, you know, very pretentious and hippieish, and like, oh, yeah, open your mind, man. You squeegee your third eye and, and you learn all this. It's not, it's not, it's not quite like that, but it does. Squeegee? Squeegee. You know what a squeegee is? No, what's that? Isn't it like a little sponge that the window cleaner uses? Squeegee. You squeegee your third eye? Yeah, yeah, I think that is actually something that Bill Hicks said, which is why I was thinking okay. about it. Oh, right, I see. It's okay, kind of okay. bullshit that you used to think, you know, like it's, you know, just nonsense, oversimplified view of things. But, what the fuck was I talking about? I've lost myself now. LSD? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was always my favourite. Crazy, mm. crazy stuff. Uh, and it's not had any long-term impact on you, has it? I mean, you're able to finish sentences. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember things that were said <laughs> half a sec, half a minute ago. Um, so what else is going on? What have you been doing? I mean, we've obviously had we've had the football, haven't we? I've, but we don't really talk about football, do we? No, we don't. Even though it's a big part of both of our lives. That, they, they, we like know why that like, is, though, isn't it? Because we listen to... It's because we listen to other podcasts, podcasts that where they talk about football. football. And I don't want to end yeah. up copying them. So. Yeah, yeah, and they talk better than we do. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, but I am looking forward to the new season. Saying that, um, I'm looking forward to just, uh, just, just like a, I'm, I'm a support a championship, support Middlesbrough, so I support you know a championship team, Neil Warnock, fucking <laughs> archetypal championship team, and I'm just really looking forward to like just the nuts and bolts and the really low stakes of that. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. Like just like, oh, they might go have a tipple with the championship they might not with the playoffs they might not yeah. but you know it's no one's gonna like die or anything <laughs> whereas like the, the the thing with the England stuff is it was I got well into it mm. but obviously it felt the stakes just suddenly felt huge yeah. didn't they yeah. it's all amped up um, and it's the whole country it's all these people who don't care about football suddenly give a shit yeah. about it there were 30 million people watching the final. It all just felt very... And obviously all the political things surrounding it and it all dominates the media and everything. And every, just, it was just the whole thing. But I mean, it was amazing for, 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 the, for the past few months. Um, but also it's just very, very, very stressful and tiring. It was. And I'm just looking forward just to the, just to the to, you know, championship, two games a week. Like, it's not really, it doesn't matter. Like, and it's going to slightly shit football. And I know who the players are, but I'll talk to somebody else and they have no idea who the fuck I'm talking about. And yeah. I'm just looking forward to that, the mundanity of just the regular football. Definitely looking forward to that. Well, yeah, me too. I mean, I, I especially... To- I mean, you support Man United, so it's a bit different.
Well, okay. Well, I haven't got much left to say, so I hope you enjoyed that episode. We will be back in two weeks. We're going to record next week. I have no idea what the subject is. Shit, yeah. We should probably start thinking about that. Yeah, we definitely should start thinking about that. So I can't trail that for you, listeners. Please follow us on Twitter, at UnravelPod. We are on Facebook as well. And, yeah, that's that. Yeah, we don't have a lot going on on the Facebook page, though, do we? Hello? Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. So a request for ibuprofen from your COVID-suffering wife yeah, upstairs. I've got to get her some, I heard yeah, that. I've got to get her some things. Oh, my God. There's more important things in life, aren't there? Yeah, you should go and sort her I out. Shall. Yes. Thank you. Stupid podcast. Um, yeah. I'll see you. Follow us at Unravel Pod on Twitter. I just said that, but yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. And goodbye. See you. I better go. Take, yes. <laughs>